Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Legendary. Okay. No, not just legendary. Lasso, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. We're not doing a lasso run. <laughs> oh, God. I haven't ever managed to beat a lasso run, so that's all right. Um... Dude, Halo 1 with all skulls on, like, or not skulls, Halo 1 on co-op on Legendary. Which is a perfect difficulty. That's, I agree. that's like I agree. my absolute yeah. gold standard. I don't like the fact that they're just like heroics how it meant to be played. I'm like, just fucking make that normal then. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. like just don't, don't fucking bullshit me. In, all right. In Halo 2, you're like, I want to challenge. I want to play Legendary. And you're like, fuck! Like, Snipe. Like, this is Snipe. unreasonable! Snipe. Like, Snipe. Like, yeah. It's literally like, fucking, oh, let, let, let me uh, watch this one, Snipe. Dude, uh, it's like, so this is what it would be like to fight robots. Like, this is actually totally, what it would be like to totally, fight robots. Yeah. Like, I, we're literally dealing with aimbots right there. Like, yeah. Dude, that's why we can never beat the Terminators, dude. Aimbots. Yep. Yeah, I only did a... Uh, oh, speaking of which, we should actually just hit the record button. I, I right? did like five minutes ago. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, By five minutes ago, I mean like a minute ago. Oh, well, perfect. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we definitely can't beat aimbots. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I've only ever I've only ever done one. I've only ever done one level, like one like actual campaign mission like legendary all schools on, and it was like that one in Halo 3 where the flood ship just fucking comes out of nowhere and you're like running through it because oh I figured God. out a way that you could just like all right, cool. I don't have any sort of like reticle and also I die in essentially one hit. So I'm just going to run through here and try and get these jumps right. And I did it once and I'm like, cool, that was not worth my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know. That's why you got to play yeah. the Master Chief Collection. I was talking uh, at our at the uh, casual night yesterday that um, I started learning a little bit about Halo speedrunning because in the Master Chief Collection, you actually got achievements for speedrunning. So oh, that's I started, cool. that's really started cool. doing all the speedruns. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I wish that more I wish there were more games like ODST like philosophically where you have like oh yeah yeah you have the fucking Spartans but cool what about the rest of us god ODST is so fucking good I really like it's that game so fucking dude the, good. the map in that game is like Metroid Prime yeah where it's like awesome. kind it's two dimensional but kind of three dimensional mm -hmm. and the way that you can actually move around and plan you know, are you going to go left or right or straight because you can see there's somebody around that corner and as a Marine, you have to make a real decision on, are you going to win this fight? Because, like, you might go up there and straight up just die. Like, it, totally. Yeah. As a Spartan, you can do just sense. about anything. But as a Marine, you know, as an ODST. Yeah, like, all right, cool. Uh, I mean, you get a cool SMG. That's all you got. I mean, that's all you got. But you know what you get 
for not being a Spartan, hmm. a childhood. That's also <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that really is. You are not uh, literally and figuratively a Spartan, dude. I've heard people. I've heard podcasters. I respect. Say, oh, the Halo wouldn't make a good show. There's not enough lore. Bullshit. I'm like, I'm like I don't understand how you could say that. That shit is fucking fascinating. There's Those books sold so mm-hmm. well. Dude. Hell, hell, I would even, like, do Halo, like, the actual time period. I would do, like, the 100 years before when they were literally fighting, like, space Nazis. Yeah. Right. Pretty cool. You do that. Fuck it. Dude, I want HBO to do a series because I think the a miniseries is, like, the perfect mm-hmm. storytelling mechanism for series like that. Did you see that, that uh, was it Forward Unto Dawn? Mm-hmm. That was great. Mm-hmm. I, I would that. love to see more of that. Me too. Uh, but my only problem with that is... Uh, after showing it to my dad, who would normally, I think, like that kind of stuff, the way he was giving me his like review of it made sense. Basically, that that show, you know, it was like a YouTube series the way it rolled out. But you know, you could you could watch it on Netflix as one big thing. When you watched it, it's clearly hyped up for people who already know sure. what Halo is. Sure. And and so for him, he was like, "Well, it seemed like it was building up, and then there were just you know there wasn't that much payoff." And I was like, "Well." You're not wrong. When you saw the chief, I was like, oh, oh man. <laughs> Dude, when he fights the hunter and fucking sticks oh, the grenade in, it's just like, rad. oh my God, oh, you've got to be kidding me here. So I love that stuff. And I was like, well, this is clearly catered towards someone who already knows this stuff. Sure. Uh, so I would like to see them start fresh with like a, a miniseries, one hour long episodes. Yeah. Where it actually shows the background of that stuff because it's not just killing aliens. Like the whole thing is built on fighting space Nazis and committing like human rights violations. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, but to create the ultimate soldiers who are the only reason that humanity even survived. Right. You know, so that's like the crux of that game. And then also aliens. Right. You know, so I would love to see more of that stuff. So anyway, I really like Halo. Let's talk about it. Oh, shit. All right. It's like that was a weird intro to the show hey. that we don't know how to intro yet. Well, it was a challenge, but I did it. Boo. <laughs> All right. You're so fired. All right. I'm out of here. Moving I'll see on. myself out. Uh, so now it is my turn Ooh. for an episode of challenge mode. What so you, what you got, girl? I picked one of my very first most important gaming experiences, which is Halo. Never heard of it. Uh, well, I'm about to tell you all about it. Great. Uh, so I love the game of Halo and I can tell you all sorts of things about it. By the way, before I jump into this, I am absolutely about to mildly spoil at least the first game of Halo, which came out 19 years, uh, 18 years ago. I mean, honestly, I feel like if if you're listening to this and you haven't played like the first, at least the first three, and uh, okay, we're just going to spoil like all the bunch of we're gonna, games. Yeah, I, I'm at least for sure going to spoil the first game. Uh, the, the rest of it isn't a spoilery once you know what the big spoil is in the first game. Basically, uh, Halo is a fantastic game. I'm about to tell you all about the music, but if you don't want to be spoiled on it because it's a fantastic game, you should go play that. So hit pause and come back after you've beaten it. All of them. All of them. Just leave it here. It's uh, <laughs> fine. We'll be here. Don't but worry. for everybody else, uh, so the rest of you who over the past 18 years have played uh, through the, That's me. the uh, OG Halo series, which is 1, 2, 3, ODST, and Halo Reach. Uh, yep. I'm going to talk about those because that is all. That is the run that Marty O'Donnell, uh, Marty O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore uh, composed for. So they made the music for that game. I have very fond memories of staying up very late. My my best friend growing up lived right across the street from me, and there was one summer where I spent more days in a in a calendar week at his house sleeping over playing Halo and watching The Simpsons than I did at my own house. Hell yeah. It Hell was yeah. awesome. We played through that campaign 
over and over and over. I mean, it, it was so much fun. That was the first time I ever felt like I was exploring a real fleshed out world. I mean, there were nooks and crannies of that game that you never had to find. Like there were some places that you could just skip or that weren't clearly marked out for you, but they had made them and you could go find them and explore them. Sometimes there were, you know, Easter eggs. Sometimes there were hidden weapons. Sometimes there was nothing at all, but it was just a cool like, oh, look at this thing over here. Like, oh, this goes out to like a big drop off. I didn't know this was. Yeah, I, I feel like Halo, at least from kind of my perspective, uh, at least for also like console first person shooters. Up until that point, I feel like that was the big one that was like, hey, our single player is not fucking around. No. Like, sure, like the multiplayer was great because Halo multiplayer is fucking great. But, you know, like the story of Halo is like super captivating and really cool and the characters are neat. And like the level design is pretty fucking solid. It's very solid. It was mm -hmm. it, looking back around that time, like people always joked that like sci-fi games and first person shooters on consoles just don't have good stories, but they don't need to. And this one came out and was just like, what's up motherfuckers? We got <laughs> both of them here. So Halo uh, 1 came out on the Xbox. The original Xbox, uh, it was made by Bungie and Bungie had recently been bought out by Microsoft. Microsoft specifically wanted them to make a game for their console. So that's why Halo was a uh, an exclusive because Bungie had made their own games beforehand for PC, uh, but this time Microsoft was like, "You got a good thing going on. We want exclusivity." In fact, it's actually fantastic with the history because Microsoft actually stole Halo from Apple. There's been like it was like from 1999 or 2000. Steve Jobs actually did a keynote of Halo. And boy, reports were that he like massively raged when he found out about Microsoft. Yeah. What? Yeah. No, it was originally going to be like an Apple thing. It was yeah on and Mac. And then oh like, my gosh. Microsoft just straight up bought the studio. Oh my gosh. Okay. You know, we were talking before the show. The more I dove into this topic, I have discovered that I really like doing my homework on this stuff because the more I dug, the more cool stuff I had I found, and the more fun it was. So I am so on board with doing more of this show. Great. Uh, but I did not know that at all. Uh. What I did know, I, I already knew setting out that I was going to do a Halo episode around the OG series, and then I plan to do another episode that's going to cover Marty O'Donnell's uh, exit from Bungie, which is a whole big old story. It's, it's a time. That we will save for later. Yes. So we'll pretend that that doesn't exist, uh, but we'll do his run, because really, when I want to talk about the music of Halo, it's really him. It's Marty O'Donnell and his story as the audio director of Bungie. Mm -hmm. Um, so if we want to dial it back one step, uh, this soundtrack stuck with me so much because not only did it have this beautiful fleshed out world, um, but this was a game where the, you know, this was the first time I realized that sound design existed because it's not just, it's not like in Zelda where if you're in a room, you know, I started out on like the handhelds, right? Mm -hmm. You're in a room and this music is going to play, this music is going to play on repeat until you leave the room, mm -hmm. period. Nothing else is really going to change that. Well, in this game, uh, you depending on where you walk, uh, are there any enemies nearby left, you know, left over? Has the cutscene finished? Like there are all these different things that happen that uh, cue the audio. And so as you make moves, as you walk through a doorway, the music swells to, to make something happen, right? That's what makes sound design and, and soundtracks in a video game different than a movie. 
You know, it's interactive. So, you know, a movie, if you close your eyes, the movie keeps going. It doesn't matter. It's all, it's not interactive. But in a game, the soundtrack follows you. So you really have your own personalized soundtrack. Well, games didn't used to be like that. Halo was was one of the, it is widely accepted as one of the very first games to have real, uh, what has been called non-linear sound design where it's not just like you're in this room this is what sound this is what music's going to play instead it follows your actions and you're moving around in a three-dimensional space with uh, you know with stories and characters so really when when things happen you know there's a swell or there's tense music or there's no music uh, it's very impactful you know you feel it when when you're moving around silently there are only a few times that there's no music absolutely no music in the game and it's very intentional uh, one thing, you know, to, I, I looked up a bunch of interviews. Somebody, let's see, it was, uh, he was asked the question, somebody said, what would you like to see more in video game music? And his answer was silence. He said, I get tired. Good answer. It's a really good <laughs> it answer. Is. Oh, man. He said, uh, I get tired of, of playing, you know, seeing games where there's just constantly music all the time. There's never any stop, you know, and, and like in music theory, the idea is that, you know, a silence is as important as a note because that's what gives it its weight. Like sure. the silence mm-hmm. gives the music weight. If there's no silence, then what do the notes matter? Right. Uh, so I really like that. Uh, you can tell when, when he goes throughout his career, which I'll tell you about here in a second, he says a lot that he was looking for a challenge. He really wanted to explore a new space with wherever his career was going to take him. So... So let's dial it back. We've talked about what a game soundtrack is. Mm-hmm. And that's important, not just because that's a good foundation to build the show on, but uh, Halo is one of the, I think it is one of the most important game soundtracks that exists. It totally shaped the future of gaming in music and just in the whole industry. Yeah, I, I feel like mm-hmm. that's uh, Halo is always just one of those soundtracks that if people just list off just a whole bunch of just, they just like shotgun out, just like, Give me 10 game soundtracks. Nine times out of 10, Halo is going to be on that list. Totally. And uh, I didn't look up what today, in 2019, is the highest selling video game soundtrack of all time. I can look that up while we're talking. You should do that. Uh, when it came out and, and for years after, Halo 2 was by a mile the highest selling uh, game soundtrack of all time. Uh, Halo 2, the stats I read, and I forget which year they were from because, I mean, they're probably still selling them, to be honest. Uh, it, it was 8,000. When Halo 1 came out, that soundtrack, uh, that soundtrack sold 5,000, co- or uh, 5,000, 5 million, 5 million. It has to be 5 million, right? Yeah, there's no way it'd be 5,000. Anyway, I should try to remember how zeros work in numbers, but uh, five, 5 million for Halo 1 and then 8 million for Halo 2. Uh, which was huge. Those were the biggest video game. Uh, and when the first one came out, it was one of the biggest. And when the second came out, it was the biggest of all time. Uh, so those came out. Um, there are a lot of things I can talk to about the series. But let's start with Marty O'Donnell's uh, track to becoming a part of Bungie. So uh, I like looking at this because I like knowing the stories behind the composers because it, you know, it's easy to see somebody when they're already at the peak of their fame and be like, oh man, I admire that guy, but I could never... He must have worked so hard and all that stuff. And yeah, that stuff's true. But sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's who you know. Sometimes it's being in the right place at the right time. Real quick to interrupt. Um, I couldn't find anything. Oh, well. A lot of the stuff that I'm seeing just after a quick Google search is just like, these are the best of all time. I'm like, I, <laughs> yeah. that's not what I'm looking for. But okay. Yeah, that's not surprising. And then that just could be 
people probably just don't track that information or it might just not be easily available. You know? Yeah, and I mean, I don't really own game soundtracks. I mean... Boy, I sure do. You sure do. Uh, so so uh, in this series, I sure hope this one comes out after... <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice little water bottle crackle there. I hope this one comes out after the Persona one because you had just said that I believe you so. spent $100 yeah. on your yep. uh, vinyl for yeah, Persona 4. All right, cool. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if this comes out before, spoiler alert. <laughs> I, I, think it, yeah. I think this one's going to be after. Uh, so Marty O'Donnell started, he got his master's uh, Masters of Music at uh, Wheaton College Conservatory of Music. He uh, it says all over like his not interviews but uh, like his background that he was really into progressive and fusion rock, which you can especially tell as the series progresses. That makes a whole lot of mm-hmm. fucking sense. Yeah, yep. yeah. Because the first the first game still didn't sound like anything else I had ever heard of at the time. Sure. But as he takes the sounds that he made in the first game, those songs, and morphs them, he adds new ones, but he also takes old themes. God, especially with two. Oh, yeah. Like two, especially. Two. Even with the licensed stuff, like the bands he got to work on that were definitely not like the biggest bands in the world. But they were. Well, let's... One step at a time. Okay. One I'm step sorry. at a time. I'm jumping because in. there's I'm just excited. Oh, I'm excited too. So because when I made this, I made my notes totally out of order because every time I found a new nugget, it was like going down a, a Wikipedia page mm. where you see something cool and you open a new tab. You see something else cool, you open a new tab. Yeah, it's a dangerous so, game. Oh my gosh, I didn't want to quit. It was it was seriously very exciting. I haven't had this much fun researching a topic nerd. in ages. <laughs> so uh he got a master's in music and he thought uh, he moved to Chicago. He thought he was going to become a teacher at the, uh, where's it? The American Conservatory of Music. Uh, but it didn't work out. You know, that stuff, it sucks, but that's kind of how that stuff goes. Sure. Music's hard to get into. Like yeah. just doing anything, honestly. Yeah. And trying to be a teacher at one of the best conservatories in the country. Right. As far right. as I'm That's very, as an very competitive. Yeah. So it didn't work out the way he wanted. So what he did is he uh, took jobs in the film and TV industry. So it's he actually worked as a grip for years. He he just worked you know behind the scenes in in TV and movies, and then he started writing jingles for TV and radio. And so the one that kept coming up was the. Uh, the Flintstones jingle, if you remember what it is. I'm not going to sing it for you, but you should look it up. The Flintstones vitamins. Yeah. Yeah. He made that. Oh, shit. No way. Yeah. It's oh, just a awesome. funny little thing. The Halo <laughs> guy made that. Made that. Uh, so he did that, and it actually it was 15 years that he was doing that. He was TV, movies, and then jingles for uh, TV and radio. 15 years he did that. So that was a long time before he even became the Halo guy. But... He didn't even become the Halo guy for several more years, for over half a decade after that. So uh, I'll kind of give you the quick summary. He was working in radio and a Chicago DJ had a son who was like, hey, my son's into video games and music. You produce music. Can he come hang out? So kid comes hang out. Excuse me. He comes to hang out and Marty realizes that this kid knows some people making video games across the country. I think in Washington, doesn't matter. Uh, he talks to these guys. They're making a game called um, Mist. Oh, Mist. I get it mixed up because Mist and Myth are both games that are that have sequels that are end up being owned by Bungie. And I got it mixed up. At first, I thought I was typing typos. When I went back, I was like, wait a minute. Did I get this right? No. So he went to work. He met the guys who made Mist. 
but he wasn't involved with the first mist. He was involved with Riven, which it literally mm. says on the art, it's or on the cover art for the game. It says Riven, the sequel to Mist. Awesome. Great. <laughs> I like that. Cool. <laughs> so he was the sound guy for that, for uh, Mist 2, for all intents and purposes. Uh, so he did that, and he so he was the sound designer, I believe, for that. And what happened was on their downtime, the developers would all get together and play this game called Marathon, which I had never heard of. So it was a bungee game. Yeah. When I looked it up, it Halo basically... Halo Halo. Yeah, yeah. Marathon's yeah. cool. It's straight up, it looks like a do. It's a first-person shooter Doom made in like 1996 mm-hmm. or something, yep. 1994. And uh, yeah, it looks like Doom. But when I... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, like, quickly read the cliff notes of the story. I was like, oh, this is Halo. Yeah. <laughs> this is Halo. They weren't really treading new ground there. No, they weren't. And what's funny, he goes on, I should find the name for this. Well, so, so he does Mist. Uh, or he finds the guys who do missed four years later, and this, that's four years. When you're reading this, it's like, oh, you know, I just assumed it was like, oh, he met the guys and then he was hired, you know. But no, there were four years that went by, so he became the sound designer for the sequel, Riven, the sequel to Miss. And in the downtime, they played Marathon. After that, he emailed Bungie, who was like, hey, can I work for you? What's up? Because uh, you're hiring. Yeah. So what, what he had been doing was he he and Michael Salvatore who uh, both went on to do all the Halo music, they made a an organization or a business called Total Audio. So they would hire themselves out as a, as a business, you know, as a contractor mm-hmm. um, to do sound work. So they, he, he emailed a bunch of you. He's like, hey, we're looking for work. So they said, okay, you can work on this game called Myth. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, How could you sure. mix this? Yeah. <laughs> Myth the Fallen Lords, which is funny because that's Destiny content right there. Jesus. Straight up in Destiny, it was like the House of the Fallen, and you had like Jesus. the Fallen, blah, blah, blah. So as I was reading this, I was like, all right. oh my gosh, Bungie made all their IP back in the 90s and early <laughs> 2000s, and now they're just mixing it all up. <laughs> so yeah, I would really like to spend more time digging through this stuff, because mm-hmm. this cracks me up how much stuff yeah. is... <laughs> well, that's also like kind of similar to what... Uh, that just reminds me of what Digital Extremes is doing with Warframe. Because they started out wanting to like make that, and that kind of didn't really pan out originally. So they made like Dark Sector, I think is what it was called, and like a lot of the ideas for what they wanted to do turned into Warframe, and then like it was just kind of very much learn as they go along. But they like set out with this idea in mind of like we want to make this game, which is Warframe, mm-hmm. and they like made a bunch of other stuff kind of along the way to get to that point. But all of them were just like. Kind of like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of neat how, like, those ideas just permeate through just the whole creative process. Like, everybody, like, you feel like almost at this point studios kind of are designed like they make this game. Or, like, they are, like, kind of almost destined to make kind of this game. Which is obviously, like, super... Shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's obviously, like, super reductive. And this is just kind of, like, me just seeing a pattern not saying that, like, game developers are only capable I mean, of one thing. Even you know? even when you see studios, like, swap out most of their uh, 
their employees. Like mm-hmm. if there are walkouts or if the studio closed and reopened under a different name or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that a lot. Even It's not even like the ideas travel with a couple people who stay with the company. It's like, it's like these companies almost have... <laughs> this is funny. They almost have their own persona oh, that God. follows them around that they just dig up after a while. Yeah. Well, you look at like uh, Bioware, like a lot of their stuff, mm-hmm. obviously like recent Bioware is completely different from what it used to be. But like you look at KOTOR, you look at like Jade Empire, like you even I mean, look at... They're like the descendants of these games. Sure. They yeah. grew up along with the, the players sure, and the yeah, creators. Sure, like, yeah. They very much feel like... You can totally tell by looking at Mass Effect or Dragon Age and like KOTOR, like, yeah, this is the same kind of a thing. It's got the same kind of spirit and soul and the same kind of vibe. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, they're all just essentially thematically similar. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's cool that like studios develop their own kind of brand from ideas that they have. And then they just kind of do that and kind of iterate on that. Just a neat little yeah, thing. it's nice because over time you get fresh blood that comes in. They sure. take this old idea and they're like, eh, this is cool, but... What if we did this thing? Yeah. Oh, it's like what I said earlier uh, in the last episode about um, it's like your favorite band that starts trying to uh, experiment with different genres, but right. the right. overall feel and soul of the music is still from that band. Totally. totally. New band members, same sound. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so let's see. So we got, so they made a Myth, The Fallen Lords, Precursor to Destiny. That last part's in brackets there. <laughs> Uh, and the last one they went on to compose before they is Total Audio, that, that, uh, the two of them. Uh, they went on to do sound design for Valkyrie Studios' Septericore Legacy of the Creator, which I can only assume means y- you probably dig into the earth on that one. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. But Septericore Legacy of the Creator, that is like some old school, you know, old god stuff. Uh, anyway, he met Steve Downs at, uh, when he was doing that gig. Steve Downs was the guy who went on to become Master Chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently... Oh, no he, shit. The, yeah. the voice actor for Master Chief. Sick. So he... Uh, Mario Donald was apparently the guy who recommended that he become that voice. And I, I was doing some... Good fucking move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Good I move. guess... And this this is not a surprise at all. But when I clicked on Steve Downs to learn some more about him, he then and today is a radio DJ. He... Oh, he if he wasn't before that and yeah. he's not now he like, has what are you doing voice. sir apparently he does radio where uh you play like an album at a time oh like, god full album. I, and i'm just like bro I've, give me that dial I, like how do man, i tune into this whew, i need to know where he is at yeah i can i can listen to that <laughs> sounds voice. great uh so he did that so uh, funny story so septericore he has said in several interviews people are like what is the hardest the hardest work you've ever done like what was the hardest project you've ever been a part of and he said it was Septericore because Total Audio Studio literally burned to the ground. Whoa. Or, and, and I say burned to the ground, but the next part of the story is that he had to get into a cherry picker and get lifted up into a, like a burnt out window. And who in the world was allowing this? If there were any firefighters nearby, they would have been like, you absolutely cannot <laughs> nope. go in that building. But he went uh, back into the building to recover 20 hours of... The only copy of uh, oh, shit. voice footage Holy shit. for this game. Wow. If they had lost that, like that would have been a huge Oh my god. Dedication right there. Dedication. Yeah. So that's a crazy story. I mean, they lost their whole studio and he climbs back in to get the, the audio footage stuff. Fuck yeah. So okay, like that is exactly the juicy <laughs> tidbit I love. Like that's the first one I found when I was looking, I'm like, oh this is kinda cool. You know, that's not even Halo. Like that's, that's this is before he became the man who created Halo. So anyway, that's that's a funny goofy thing. 
Well, what ends up happening is uh, he he also uh, worked on a game called Oni, which looks anime-y, but I didn't look at gameplay. Like O-N-I? Uh-huh. I think yep. of that. Which also... Is the name of the intelligence agency in, in the game. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> Holy crap. So seriously, they just reuse all the same names. I mean, that's fine. Like... It is. It's good just, on him. It's just funny. Um, <laughs> so uh, during Oni, Bungie wanted to renegotiate their contracts with everybody just across the board. So what they ended up doing is they actually hired Marty O'Donnell to be an employee of theirs. So before they had contracted him out through Total Audio, now he is actually an employee of Bungie. Well, good timing because 10 days later, Microsoft bought Bungie. Oh, wow. And through that... You know, if he was if he wasn't good at his job, they wouldn't have kept him around. But through that, he became the full time uh, the audio guy for Halo. He became like lead audio designer for, uh, for the whole franchise. Good timing. So he's cool. Yeah. So he started. So he got into that, and uh, I like reading these interviews. He he, he speaks to my heart here. Uh, he says in several interviews that the people around him get very. <laughs> frustrated at him with the way that he creates his music because he always waits until the very last moment the very last man after my own heart right and he says several times he's like i'm not going to spend a bunch of time making music that's not even going to get used he's like i'm just going to wait to the last minute when like he he never says inspiration hits people say like oh what inspires you and he says like some of your typical deadlines yeah, and the last one, is, yeah. the last one is deadlines, oh, and he's like, "But that's yes. the most important one." Oh yeah. Oh wait, really? I was yeah. just joking. He oh my god! That. Hell yes! I'll, oh, that's uh, good. As as we keep talking, I'll find it because I have that written down in an interview. He said that, uh, but it cracks me up because he, yeah, he's like, "Oh, I'm inspired." He always says a lot about storytelling. He really loves storytelling, and when he got into Halo specifically, like before he got into the games industry, he listened to the audio that was in Mist, right, and he was like, "Oh." Gaming is starting to really turn into a respectable medium. I've been wanting to stretch my wings. I'm tired of this whole radio TV business. I want to do this. Like I want to challenge. I want to make music. I want to be a creator. And uh, and so he he did that. He started to take it seriously. So then he be, started working on these projects. Well, he got the Halo. And when Bungie pitched this to him, all it was was a concept. He said it was a concept of a place. So there was no story. There was no Master Chief. It was just an idea of a place. And uh, the adjectives, let's see if I can find it. But the adjectives are like, uh, we're, we're thinking of a place that's epic and mysterious and ancient. It's like, okay, I'll see what I can come up with. And I can so, work with that. Yeah, he's like, I can work with that. And, and for real, like at the very last minute, they, they, uh, they showed off, they announced Halo, like teased it for the very first time at E3 in 2000. And... They said he, like, at the very last second, wrote the main theme that is now the theme that, that we know. He wrote it in his car, basically on a loose piece of paper, recorded it that night, and sent it off to New York. That's awesome. Where it got recorded. Like, That's awesome. It. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the people doing that chant that we've always heard, you know, you know exactly what I'm chant. talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is him, Mario O'Donnell. Uh, Michael Salvatore and three, as it has strangely been called in, in more than one article, jingle singers. So there are those two and three jingle singers, which I can, who I can only assume are people that he must have known from like back in the day of I, radio. I feel like they have to at that point. Such they a, also have to be like 
I think for car commercials, what the hell is this? Right. right. I'm just picturing like the people recording like the take that goes into the music that is very identifiable for like games as a medium for years. And they're just like looking at this like fucking scribbled sheet music on this like notebook paper, just looking really confused, doing this like kind of cool, like Gregorian kind of chant thing. Yeah. It's not like he flew out to some 12th century European monastery. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. So he says, uh, O'Donnell wanted the music to be, quote, big, exciting, and unusual with a classic orchestra touch to give it some weight and stature. Because he was thinking about, especially about the word ancient when they said this, because you're often a place in space. And it's really easy to be like, oh, space, electronic, you know, and he went the opposite way. He was like, I'm going to add Gregorian chants to it. I'm going to add these like law. He had like a lot of, uh, like, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's Swahili, but like African, mm-hmm. uh, oh gosh, I, I'm not even, I can't even think of the right word, but a lot of vocalizations yeah. that sound like they're from Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just gives an idea of out of time and place, you know, because the stuff doesn't necessarily line up, but it does give it this this very specific, mysterious feel, you know. Um, nothing electronic about it, which is very interesting for a game that's about being a crazy space marine riding aliens yeah you know? like everything about it is very futuristic but i yeah. always really like that the music sounds just like you could it would also it sounds totally, like it's in a monastery it totally work if you're just like watching this like ridiculous like medieval drama or something like that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that's going on uh this says he, he intentionally waited to last minute uh all the time uh, he said it drives everyone crazy, but it worked for me in the past, and it works in the in the game in the best way. Writing music before the end, or like writing music before the end, just doesn't work for me. He said. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I, I like that where he's just like, if it's not down to the wire, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like he would not, he will not write it's the, the music. most relatable shit I've heard all day. <laughs> so it started when he st- started writing for Halo. He was still doing stuff the last minute because that's how he made his best work. Mm-hmm. But uh, he he says uh, somebody asked him. He said, "How involved do you like to be in the creative process?" And his answer was, uh, "I don't like to throw music into the game until the very last minute." Excuse me. But as the uh, and I'm out of context quoting here now. Uh, as the audio director, he was constantly involved in the, the sound design from day one. So he was able to influence things exactly how they needed to be to create the best possible product, you know, to create, to tell that story and to have those emotions, you know, told in a certain way. But he didn't actually make the music till he knew that all that framework was all all lined out. So the whole time while he's shaping the sound design for this game, he's thinking about the music. He just doesn't actually make the music until the very end, which obviously paid off. Yeah, totally. He, you know, like those soundtracks are fucking phenomenal. They're so good. So I I so love those. I love the fact that he basically never writes anything until the 11th hour. Yeah. You know, when you know the the midnight hour when the TV comes on, hey, throw back, call back. Now this just has to be after uh, the last episode. It has to. It has to. Everybody go. If you haven't listened to it, listen to the Persona 4 uh, episode of Challenge Mode before this. It's good. Thanks. Uh So, so let's uh, move over here. So Halo 1 came out in 2001, 
I think it was November. It's November something, 2001. Patent release right. title yeah. for mm-hmm. the original Xbox. Was that, a, was that a launch title? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's mm-hmm. a good fucking launch title. Mm-hmm. It was, dude. I remember <laughs> I was... Uh, I've I told this story on multiple podcasts now, so I, I, I apologize to everybody. But I remember I was in my house playing Drawers Mask on the N64. My best friend came and knocked on my door. And he's like, hey, can you come out and play? I'm like, heck yeah, I can. And he says, well, cool. I got an Xbox. It's like, what's an Xbox? And he's like, oh, I'll show you. So we go over there and we, we boot up this game. And of course it starts. And we're, I'm in like sixth grade. And the game starts and you are this guy in a green suit and you get out of this box looking thing. And this Marine, this, this human is like, hey, we got to get out of here. Things are bad. And you follow him down a hallway and there's an explosion he dies. There's blood everywhere. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I should be playing this game. <laughs> like, I was like, I can't let my mom know I'm playing this. She won't let me play this. So I did not let my mom know I was playing hey, that. It was great. Stick it to the man. Uh, I don't know if she ever saw that game until I bought it years and years later uh, and played it at home. <laughs> now yeah. that I think about it. Uh, but what was funny was we actually, we had never seen a controller where you had an R3 button before. Oh, yeah. We got stuck. All you had to do at the very beginning of the game was crouch under a door. But it didn't tell you how to crouch. At least not in co-op, which is what we were playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was just a funny struggle to be like, we physically cannot understand how to get past this. But we sat there and we just beat our heads against this wall for so long. But the game was beautiful. Totally. You know, and as soon I as mean, we, now it's not. Well, yeah, now it's, the like time, it's made by Casey. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I was so impressed with how that game looked. Mm-hmm. And you go through there and it's like the sound was, I mean, the, the songs were great, I thought. Uh, you, you go, like the world, you, you the, in the second level, you actually crash land on the Halo mm-hmm. and you walk out and it's this gorgeous looking nature-y place. All right, Thomas, before you go further, I have a very important question to ask you. Okay. When you first laid eyes on Halo, were you blinded? <laughs> deafened? Or no, yes, deafened? No, I, I messed it up. Blinded. Blinded. Great job, everyone. We did it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, now I follow from... with it. Paralyzed? Dumbstruck? <laughs> okay, you have to tell me again because I haven't heard those words in so long. You have to actually explain the joke. I'm so sorry. In Halo 2, during the trial of the Arbiter at the beginning of the game, and that was actually like a huge uh, fake out because everyone was like, oh, it's about Master Chief defending Earth. And it's like, no, you get to play as the Covenant. Yay. <laughs> The Prophet of Regret asks the Arbiter during his trial, That's right. when you first see, saw Halo, were you par- uh, blinded? He's like, no. He's like, well, then how could you let the humans land on the ring and destroy it? That's like blasphemy. And he's like, I mean, my bad, bro. Hey, I, mean, <laughs> I, I bad. wasn't playable in that first game, so I, I got nothing for you, man. I, I yeah. love the idea that uh, you, you play through the whole first game as Master Chief, and it's crazy and wild, and you blow up the ring, turns out. And, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. And, uh, you know, you destroy the whole thing, and, like, no one is alive. Like, everyone is yeah. dead. Like, oh, yeah. straight up, everyone is dead except for you. Yep. It's so sad. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing that because the idea, the idea to me was like, yeah, I'm this really strong guy who I guess saved the world, but if I'm the only person left to see it, did I save the world? You know, and I was a little kid. Well, I mean, I wasn't like a little kid, but I mean, I was in, you know, sixth grade. Sure. And uh, we played through this stuff and I'm like, man, this is powerful because like the, the way the music swells, you know, the end of Halo 1, you are in a timed mad dash to escape the exploding structure. 
And it's crazy. And so to end all that, yeah, you get off, but then, you know, Cortana in your head is like, or, you know, who, who else, your Master Chief says, who else is left? And Cortana's like, Dustin Echoes. Dustin Echoes. Yep. That's the guy's name. Dustin Echoes. (laughs) (laughs) You guys never heard that joke before? No. I've Uh, never heard that. People make so many, like, who is Dustin Echoes (laughs) jokes? He's like the hidden player, too, or like the Easter egg. Uh, you know, it's funny that uh, Halo Halo had a... Uh, I'm getting off the rails here a little bit, but if you beat the game on Legendary, at the very end, you saw a non-canon small cutscene where Sergeant Johnson, the the man himself, is hand-to-hand fighting an elite. Oh, yeah. And they're both... They're, they're trying to fight. They're both gripping this, like, assault rifle, and they're both trying to see who gets it. And you turn, and you see the start of the explosion that is clearly gonna, like, destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And they throw it down, and Sergeant Johnson opens his arms wide and says, Ah, oh, come here, big fella. <laughs> and they hug, and it's just like... Ah! No, the real... The biggest Easter eggs... Did you look at the elite's hands? <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He actually moves his hands down and tries to cop, uh, go for a move. Ooh, all right. All <laughs> that's right. funny. I didn't know that. That's why it's rated M. Yeah, that's uh, the only reason. The only reason. <laughs> only reason. Uh, that and that one spot of blood at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, there's no blood or violence in the rest of the game. Yeah, no other. Uh, you shirt nerf, nerf guns the whole time. You go fishing. Uh, So Halo 1 had a bunch of stuff going on to it. So let's see. uh, It was widely regarded as one of the, like, basically the precursor, which is appropriate because that game is all about precursors, the lower. uh, (laughs) Yep, precursors. um, It basically set the framework for other soundtracks and sound designers to follow. It was nonlinear. The sound changed depending on what you, the character, did. It wasn't on a, like, necessarily on a timer. It wasn't just about, like, physically where you are. It's like, what have you done? You know, if you are in a room and here's the music and you go into the next room and the music changes, well, what if you go back into the original room? Well, new sound design dictates that you still have the second set of music when you walk through the door. Mm -hmm. But old sound design would dictate, oh, you move back into the old room? That means old music. And so this kind of set the stage for what we now know and a lot of people would take for granted as modern sound design in video games. And, and you know, sound design is interesting because there's the soundtrack. I actually, when I went to school, I wanted to either be the composer of music that went into video games, or I wanted to be the sound designer who took that music and was the one who put it in, figured out the sound cues, figured out where everything would fit. Right. Because that's where the impact comes from in a video game with the music. It's not just a bunch of notes that sound pretty. You know, it's not just looking stuff up on Spotify now and and being like, oh, this is a good song. Um, There's a lot more to it because 
uh, it, like in this one, I can like in Halo, there are lots of different reasons that a lot of different soundtracks are good. But in Halo, you can hear a song and and there's a specific song uh, on a pale horse from the first game. There is a specific place in that game uh, in, in the level, the two betrayals, which is the one me and my buddy played the most. Uh, you are way high up in the sky. There are these two parallel bridges and all hell is breaking loose on them. It is bananas. Everyone's fighting. Like, it's just nuts. And as soon as you, like, you're in these tunnels and everything's pretty quiet. There's intentionally no music for a little bit. And then you walk through this tunnel and the door opens and this music starts playing. And every time I hear the music, I can hear the of the banshees, the flying air vehicles Mm -hmm. flying around. Because like when you go out there, they're shooting at all sorts of enemies on the bridge. If you walk out too far, they'll shoot you. You know, you can fight them or you can ignore them. But the sound of that music is so entwined with with the sound of that banshee the sound of that thing that moment in the game so the music isn't just the music the music is evocative because both the music and the gameplay work together to create something special you know better than the you know the sum is greater than its parts yeah i i definitely completely agree with that uh the reason i think that i'm so kind of drawn to like soundtrack collecting for video games and like wanting to own like these physical copies and like have something physically to like cherish for something that's like super important to me. Like last episode, we talked about how I have the persona five soundtrack on vinyl, but like every time I listen to that, I just kind of go back to where I was mm-hmm. or like I'll listen. I've been listening to a fuckload of the persona four soundtrack on mm-hmm. like YouTube and stuff like that. And every time I do that, like I can like hear combat noises and stuff or like, right. like hear the voices of the characters happening and like how it like makes me, it reminds me of like how I felt during that bit and I think that's a really cool thing that video game soundtracks do just kind of above any other medium really mm-hmm. yeah because because know. it's interactive it sticks right. with you right sounds kind of like PTSD right there <laughs> in a good way in, in a, a good, good way a good PTSD. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a happy one it's pronounced ODST but okay. god I'm quitting this <laughs> okay. dumb fucking yeah, you show you guys walked right into that one oh god uh, okay so so the Halo soundtrack's pretty cool huh uh, it won all sorts of awards. So let's see. It won the Game Developer's Choice Award the year that it came out. It won the Best Original Video Game Soundtrack Award from Rolling Stone, which I forget if this was the first time they ever gave that out, yeah, but it was one of the first. I've never heard of that award before. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, Rolling Stone, all right. Right. Yeah. You know, so it had it on category and it won it. So mm-hmm. hell yeah, it Great. deserved it. Cool. Uh, Halo 2 ended up being, at the time, the best-selling soundtrack of all time. Uh, which is insane. Uh, it received best sound from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, as well as the Interactive or International Game Developers Association, and a bunch of other stuff. If you want to know more, you can find it online. Won a ton of awards. I mean, it's widely acclaimed as one of the best ones of all time. Certainly one of the most iconic. For Halo 2? Mm-hmm. Halo 2 is such a good fucking sound. They're all good. They're, mm-hmm. they're Fuck, man. all so good. I, I spent so much time listening to 1 and 2, and 3 is really good. I, th- I mean... Three is really good, but when I was listening to it, I was like, "I'm pretty sure I just love the music, but I don't remember the game being like as good as one and two. Then I went back and played it. I'm like, "This game is so good." Three is my favorite, great. like of the entire series for sure. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that too. It, for me, it, Halo is probably the the most replayable game this series I've ever seen because there, it has so much to enjoy. And only one part of it is the soundtrack, which I would still say is one of my favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, Spotify is my main 
uh, method of getting music. And at the end of the year, you can see your stats, right? Here's your top, you know, the top 100 tracks this year. Here's your top five most listened to albums and artists. Last year, the Halo 1 soundtrack was still awesome. on, All right. on awesome. my top five. So that's pretty cool. I still pop that stuff on on a very regular it's good. basis. I, I really love all of the licensed stuff that he incorporated into the second one a whole lot. That that Incubus track fucking Dude. bangs. It is so good. Oh, oh my, my gosh. god, it's so cool. And I had to, I had no idea it was Incubus uh, because you could only hear like the vocals that they actually do. Uh, on the soundtrack version, mm-hmm. but in the game, it sounds like this like Mexican kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, so yeah, fucking yeah, cool. Yeah. And it's I just so like cool. kind of got chills thinking about it. I'm like, oh, let's fucking go. I know, dude. And it's it's just such a crazy part of the game too because you're playing as a different character. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the first game, you play as Master Chief the whole time, and in the second game, you start the game up as well. You have the opportunity in like the third level or something to play as the Arbiter, and you find out that uh, you know after you hear the quote that uh, that Lang you you. You said, and I failed to recognize, um, the Arbiter was actually basically the Master Chief of the Covenant in the first game. You never saw him, but the idea is like, oh, you failed your mission. And the Covenant, the, you know, the alien race, they are very religious. And so they punish him by uh, making, making an example of him where they're like, well, we're going to send you on suicide missions. Like they're important, but you're going to die. And if you don't, we'll make sure you do and it's like, oh, this is a real bummer. Yeah. Of course, you don't like really care about this dude yet because he's still an alien and you haven't grown to like care about him yet. But you do. Mm-hmm. You uh, first the of all, you, is cool. I yeah, like the and when you and when you Arby. play, <laughs> yeah, when you play as him, it's really easy to you know become sympathetic to him for sure. Sure. Uh, but he, just like you, the player, realized that he's been being duped this whole time. And so as time goes by, like in the story of Halo Two, there's a big civil war and it's absolutely bananas and. Uh, it's all over the place, but you really come to care for these guys. But uh, the the main themes in the second game, in there there are a bunch of different ones that that are very powerful. But the Incubus one, yes, the Incubus one happens where you're in the space station, and the space station, the first time you hear it, the space station is not falling apart, but. It kind of like it's this cool thing where you're flying around in the, the banshee, that flying vehicle that I even mentioned earlier. And uh, you're like, man, this is some pretty cool music for what's going on. Well, later, the spaceship is, or the, the station is falling apart, like quite literally. And everything is so absolutely bananas. And you've got this fast paced jam going on. It's got guitars. Like in the first game, the music was fantastic, but it wasn't anything like this track you're hearing. So what I found out later when I looked this stuff up, it was Incubus. Mm-hmm. Incubus came on because they knew, or he knew, Niall Rogers, the the oh, guy. Oh no shit! Yeah, Niall, That's awesome. Niall Rogers produced every single Halo soundtrack. Fuck, really? Every single one. Cool. So it, it so including Halo One. So he did Halo One, and uh, and it was like we got a good thing going here. And then in Halo Two, he broke out the big guns, oh, dude. Fuck, so man. he brought in mm-hmm. Incubus, and I read. I just found this out today when I was researching. There, uh, so the Incubus recorded uh, four movements of an, what they call the Odyssey in that. So the first one is the one you hear. So the Odyssey is called Follow. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking good. It's, it's really good. good. It's really cool. Uh. So you hear the first one in the game, and then the, there are three more. Uh, apparently in the third one, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers plays trumpet in it. Fuck what? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. I didn't know that till today, so that's, that's super cool. Uh, Steve Vai, yeah, a like to really undersell it, a very famous. Oh my! So uh, I 
you put out a tweet before we were recording, just like saying like if anybody wanted to like share any sort of feelings they had about Halo regarding the soundtrack. And a friend of mine uh, at Snowbike Mike on Twitter, he's great. Go follow him. He's wonderful. His pugs are cute. Um, he says, I mean, I have so many memories. Halo is a series with some impactful moments with music that blended with the gameplay. I'll never forget. The intro and menu screen for Halo 2 is iconic. Dude, it is. All and of them like, all just of them are, that yeah. fucking, like, really just super long, just guitar long note that, like, just slides up into the main theme just gets me every fucking time. <laughs> Holy <laughs> yeah. shit. It, it takes, yeah, it's like five seconds long, and the first time you boot this game up, you get straight up electric guitar, and you're like, Oh, oh, we're doing this. We we grew up a little bit. Like yeah. we're ready to go. Well, what Halo Two is like, hey, we're on Earth now. Let's fucking go. Well, which is crazy because yeah. the whole point of the first game, you straight up blew up the Halo, the Halo, and killed everybody, good and bad, because you were trying to to hide the location of Earth from the Covenant. Halo Two starts up. You're on Earth. Yep. And so are the Covenant. You're well, <laughs> and they're just like, oh no. The craziest thing is the beginning of Halo Two is like. Yay! From Halo One, you get your medals. You guys are all heroes. You saved everyone. It's like, nope, we're coming for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. like immediately. So like, it's cool because you see this juxtaposition of Master Chief getting medals for what he did, and then it goes back and forth, and you see the Arbiter getting the, his armor. You know, he was a gold elite, which is a big deal, and he has his armor stripped from him, and he straight up gets branded like cattle mm-hmm. uh, with the mark of the Arbiter, mark and, of shame. Yeah, the mark of shame, and. Uh, you know, it's just a bad scene, and and there's a there are lots of sweets that that, that are like uh, what are they called? Whatever, it's, it's a sweet, um, not a melody. What, what the hell are they called? I, I can't think of words right now. What are you, what are you trying to think of? When you uh, put a bunch of songs together, medley. Yeah, not melody, medley. Medley. Yep. There uh, there's several medleys in the, in all well, all the games. And uh, so they're suites. They're suites based on the kind of area you're in. So, like in the first game, there's the library, which is terrible and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this game, there's High Charity. High Charity is like the alien spaceship that looks like the Death Star, kind of. Um, the High Charity theme I love because for me, that represents what Halo 2 represents to me. And it's what the Arbiter has going on, which is just like this feeling of being away from home and having like lost the only thing you're fighting for. Because, like, he cares about, you know, the Arbiter cares about his faction. He cares about the Covenant more than anything else. But he failed, and now he's, you know, he's going to die for it in a shameful way. And it's like, man, that's such a bummer. Because, like, you did everything you could, and you're still the kick-ass fighter, and they're still going to send you on the craziest missions. But at the end of the day, you're going to die. And they are, they tell him many times, they're like, you're going to die at the end of this. Yeah. And if you, if you still help out, we're just going to kill you. Right. And so this, the music, every time that it's anything related to him or like the higher up covenant, the prophets, it's this like sad, it's still like, uh, you know, monastery music kind of, but it's got this sad tint to it where like whenever the humans are around, you're like, oh yeah, let's kick ass. Like this is going to be cool. And you've got drums and like some military sounding music. And every time it goes to the aliens, you're like, oh man, this is a big bummer. Like it, it always brings you back. You're like, ah, no matter win or lose, Arbiter has a bad ending. Like, you know, he's going to. Right. And so, you know, throughout the course of the game, a bunch of crazy stuff happens. So you basically, you know, break your chains, so to speak. Uh, you practically die in that game. Practically everybody dies in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then they're not actually dead because there's some cool stuff that happens. It's not like resurrection or anything wild like that. Uh, but it's just a, a really cool way that the story goes down. Um, but throughout the, you know, you got the the music that you hear in the first game. 
you've got new music on top of it in the second game, plus some, not, not remixes, but revisiting a lot of those melodies. And uh, then in the third game, you especially move towards orchestra sounds. So like first game, it's pretty much all MIDI and synth sounds. Second game, you've got a bunch of mixtures, a lot more orchestra than the well, second one's a lot heavier. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. it's got like a yeah, heavier it kind of really feel. branched yeah. out. It it very much feels like we're gonna go fuck shit up because shit is now at our doorstep. Kind of a so feeling. you've got you've got Incubus, you've got Steve Vai. Uh, there's this great scene where basically the Civil War breaks out in like on High Charity, the big mm-hmm. the capital ship of of the entire Covenant. Uh, the Civil War breaks out, and you're playing. Actually, I think in, at that point. Both Master Chief and the Arbiter are both on the ship. They're just not. Yep, they got teleported on yeah. by the Grave Mind. Mm-hmm. And so they're both on there, and the civil war's breaking out, and everyone's fighting everyone, and no one knows who's on each other's side. And so it's absolute pandemonium, and it is such a cool. That is one of my favorite parts of any game, is when you walk up and realize everyone else is fighting each well, other. Well, the thing that's actually most memorable about me was I think it was like the second or third to last mission. I think you're playing as the Chief, and you're like. Because he gets to high charity first. And, like, you do your thing, and now you're, like, trying to leave. Suddenly, the flood-infested ship crashes on. So not only are, like, you humans are fighting aliens, the aliens are fighting each other, but then this evil, extra evil alien is fighting everyone else, too. Yeah, like the zombie parasites. Yeah, it's just, like, you think things are bad, and then the floods show up, and it just turns everything up to 11. I feel like that's just, like... Halo in a nutshell. It's like yeah. things are bad and then the flood show up. <laughs> yeah, so the spoiler is that in the in the first game, you're like, oh, you're fighting these aliens. They're pretty bad. And then you realize that there is a like a hidden enemy deep within the belly of Halo that is way, way, way worse than anything you've ever seen before. And mm-hmm. it's gonna be the end of all life everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's a just a bad scene. But it's a crazy twist because the game it doesn't seem like there's gonna be a twist in this game. It doesn't seem like the kind of game they would have a twist. Sure. So for you, like... It's a console sci-fi first-person shooter. Yeah. And you're just like a, a, a strong... It's a power fantasy. You're just a guy in a suit who sure. never dies, who yeah. just does anything he wants. He's right. strong as hell. And uh, then you go... I remember playing through that game, and I was like, this is actually kind of freaky. Because you go underground, and there's there's blood everywhere, and like, there, there are no bodies. There's blood everywhere, but no bodies and no people. There's nothing. And you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper until, of course, you finally discover, like, the secret. And then everything, just like the Civil War in the second game, when you discover the Flood, it was like, oh, the status quo has shifted. Everything is, like, off the rails now. And then it's just a mad dash to, you know, the end game, Mm -hmm. so to speak, where you're just like, okay, there's not really going to be a victory here. So your victory at the end of the game ends up being blowing up the ring. And, yeah, you won, but now there's nothing left. You know, and so I think taking the the music of the game versus like this power fantasy of what you're playing is so powerful because it keeps you rooted. It keeps you emotionally invested in characters that are otherwise pretty difficult to relate to. Like yeah. Master Chief, the main character, his whole thing is that he has no emotions. Right. He's just straight up boring as fuck. Like, and he doesn't give a shit about nothing. Like, right. He's the good guy, but... You know, he's not, you're not going to go give him a hug. Right. And I think that's like kind of by design, but I do get what you're saying. Like, well, it, you're- exactly. The, the whole thing, like when you, especially as you go through the series uh, and then when Halo Reach happens, because like what happens is that Halo 1 starts and you're, you are the last remaining ship running from a war that you already lost. So you're running from some place called Reach where 
you lost the battle. Like you lost the war already. So like Halo 1 happens, Halo 2, Halo 3, and then they did the prequel, which is Halo Reach. So you, you know, when they announced the trailer at E3, whatever year that was, it was cool because like they... It said like, remember Reach. Yeah, they said remember Reach. Yeah, and and they said uh, you know before you knew the end, you knew the beginning, because like as soon as Halo One starts up, you know that whatever this place was called Reach, brutal. They lost, like they completely lost, and you're the only remaining survivors, which is why you're the only one human ship marooned on Halo for you know in in the rest of the game. That's that's all you are. Uh, But yeah, you go back to play Halo Reach, and the idea is like the the Spartans are. Uh, basically, these kids are kidnapped when they're tiny, six years old, and they're six years old, and they are uh, just totally messed with. I mean, they're bioengineered mm-hmm. um, to become the ultimate soldiers. But the problem is, I mean, they're robbed of their lives. I mean, they're literally stolen from their families, mm-hmm. replaced with clothes so that the parents don't even know. Yeah, it's some crazy sci-fi shit. It's, fu- it's fucked up. It is. So the <laughs> idea is like, I, this is obviously like a human rights thing, but you know, as you go throughout the story, you realize like. This human rights violation created the Spartans, and the Spartans are the only reason that humanity didn't immediately get destroyed by the Covenant. Sure. So it's this interesting backstory of of uh, having a main character who has no emotions because he w- he was built to be a soldier. Like no nobody is being a friend to him because he doesn't need or want friends. You know he's a soldier through and through. So to have such a powerful emotional soundtrack that follows around this character. That If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. It is otherwise pretty much silent except for making huge exploding sounds, you know. Right. Uh, it's just interesting how you can have such a powerful uh, effect through music when when your story, like the story is cool, but as far as characters, your character is not cool. Like, I mean, he's cool, but he he's so simple. Right. So He's, he's like, a very flat character. Like, he's basically just like, you are soldier, put in armor, go kill things. Exactly. Like and, every, everything and the game that, even jokes about that. Right. And like all of the like emotional stuff that you get from that is absolutely nothing to do with the character. It's everything around you. And it's like the music just kind of adding to all of those moments and you as the player taking them in. Because yeah. I feel like Master Chief is kind of designed that way to essentially be... Because like he barely talks in the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. And... He's designed that way intentionally because you're supposed to put yourself, like, in his shoes. Well, see, the way I think of it is less so much, like, that in terms of the self-insert and more mm-hmm. of, like, well, we might get a little bit off topic, but very Bioshocky. where, like, sure. like, you do this in the game, you're given directions, and you do it in the game because, I mean, that's just how the game works. But if you take a step back, you're literally, like, some blank slate guy who gets directions and you're like, I'm yeah. going to follow these directions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Bioshock, they sure. give that twist. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I feel like the game design was like specific, or the character character for the chief was like, you have no personality, you're flat because you are literally, like, you literally have an AI in your head mm-hmm. telling you things to do. Right. Like, she's your conscious, she gives you orders and you just follow them, no sure. questions asked and they're like, 
because he's a soldier, but really it's like a gameplay element kind of meshed with the background. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I completely agree with you in that regard as well. I, I love the idea in, in Halo 1 when you first get Cortana put in your head right at the beginning of the game. When it tells you, like you walk into the control room after you wake up after that guy, after they're like, hey, follow me. And the guy explodes. And I'm like, oh, I can't tell my mom I'm walking. <laughs> uh, you go into like the control room of the ship and the captain tells you, ah, we're the only ship who escaped reach. Like, Cortana, what are our chances of survival? She's like, bad. They're very bad. And uh, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to crash land the ship. Cortana, I'm going to put you in a chip, and you're going to go in Master Chief's head. She's like, all right. So you pop her into your head, and she says, ah, oh, you know, keep your head down. There are two of us in here, remember? And so at the end of Halo 2, you end up through a crazy event that I'm not going to really dive into. But you end up leaving Cortana on high charity where the Civil War's happening, right? And... Uh, you think she's gone at the end of the game. I mean, you took off and left her behind. It's like, oh man, that's kind of a bummer. She was like your your only friend. And <laughs> she's not even a human. Yeah. She's a robot. You know, just almost like you. And and so in the third game, you eventually find her, spoiler again. And you pop her in your head, and she like very solemnly says, Oh, be careful. There are two of us in here, remember? And it's just like, oh. But she's like clearly in a bad state. Like she's been through some shit. And you're like, yeah. oh no, that's a really sad thing to hear. Yeah. Uh, anyway, really powerful game. Uh, let me talk some more about some stat stuff. There's a spot during that Civil War situation where everything is going bananas. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a spot at the end of this level. I forget if you're playing as Master Chief or the Arbiter. Doesn't matter. You walk into this throne room. Like... This is the top of the food chain, and you walk in, and you see the strongest of this kind of alien fighting the strongest of this kind of alien, and it's nuts! And, and then more of, an, of another kind of alien show up, so the hunters roll in while the elites and brutes are fighting, mm. and it is crazy. But as soon as you walk into that room, this heavy guitar riff comes in, mm. and so it's, it's what I now mm. know to be Breaking Benjamin. It's blow me away. Yeah. And I went in, and I was just like, this is amazing! Like, as a middle schooler when that came out, I was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Like, you're running around just, like, shooting the biggest weapons, because anytime you kill somebody, they have the biggest weapon. Right. And, and so you're just like, everything is insane, and you've got this jamming the guitar riff going on and it's an actual rock song so there's no there are no vocals in that part but you can actually go listen to the song with yeah. vocals in it it's so great it is so memorable is the most important part agreed uh, so you've got that so that's Breaking Benjamin so what we had Incubus we had Steve Vai we had Breaking Benjamin uh, we had Flea in there yeah. and then Nile Rodgers if you guys aren't familiar with Nile Rodgers Nile Rodgers has written most of music just period. period. Okay. It was around whenever uh, Beethoven was like, <laughs> you know, just like, hey, I got an idea for this thing. Uh, maybe call it a, a symphony. It really Obviously, he didn't invent like, a symphony. This is a stupid joke, and I'm going to stop talking But uh, it's in all seriousness, I, I, could, I could, when I was reading who he was, so he was at Bonnaroo, the music festival I go to last year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's Nile, Nile Rodgers? And I looked him up and I was like, wait a minute. I know this song and this song. Wait, these are all written by different people. Well, turns out all these songs written by different people were written by him. So anything from like Staying Alive to uh, Get Lucky by Daft Punk. Oh, shit. And like, dude, a million things in between. Like, you name an artist, somehow Nile Rodgers has been involved in that. So what you're saying is he's doing fine for himself. Yeah, he is this guy so is the Paul Erdos of music. 
I don't know what you just said. Paul Erdos is this mathematician who's written a ton of different papers, and you have something known as the Erdos number, which is like how many papers removed are you, like in the paper, like citations to this dude, like as like the, degrees of separation. Yeah, just there's something huh. known as the Erdos Bacon number, where it's like the combination of your Erdos number and the combinations of movie separations that you are with Kevin Bacon. Nice, I appreciate that. I like that. Yeah, so he really is. It's it's staggering how involved Nile Rodgers is in music, period. Like seriously, I mean, That's look really at cool. I mean, look at all this crazy stuff that happened just as a result of him being right. involved. In this. There's a fantastic video of a bunch of people: Nile Rodgers, Steve, uh, Steve Vai, and Marty Donald. A bunch of people in a recording studio just jamming, just riffing. They've got the Halo music going, and Steve Vai is just like he he's just improvising. And that's how the and Nile Rogers is next to him. And it's him just discovering what we now to know. Like that slide. That out. slide. And you can like see just like looking at Marty O'Donnell's face. He just got this biggest fucking Dude. grin. He's just like, oh my god. Just like, we think of Marty O'Donnell as like a big star, but like he's looking at Steve Vai. I mean, that dude's He's fucking one, Steve Vai. He's one of the most prolific guitarists of all time. Agreed. And he's so good. And you've got him and Nile Rogers next to each other, and you can just see you can see everybody in the room just like Hearts a flutter. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's, it would be impossible not to at that the point. The talent in that room. So I, I love these stories. I love, I love looking behind the scenes on this stuff. So let me, let me wrap this up because boy, I could just go on and on. Halo is one of my favorite series of all time. The soundtrack, like I said, I still today it is still one of my it's most fucking listened good. to. Soundtrack. I'm probably gonna listen to the Halo Two soundtrack on the way home. Uh, you should. And uh, in the notes, actually, I might post a link to uh, this playlist. I what I'm gonna do is is take two or three songs from each game that I think do a good job of showing what that game has, you know, the best things it has going for it. So that way, if, uh, you know, if you see the notes before you hear me saying this, mm-hmm. you can uh, maybe listen to some of those before you actually check out this podcast, but no sweat. You can always check after. Uh, let's see. So in Halo 3, the it was fully orchestral. They had a 60-piece orchestra and a 24-piece chorus and no keyboard. Like, there were sounds made on keyboards but it, everything ended up being translated like it was reco- it was uh what it composed on a keyboard but then it was uh recorded actually by the orchestra but that's just very cool uh yeah i i could i could really go on but let me jump into some goofy trivia do it uh i ship. i found it so there's a level uh in halo one i believe called the ivory tower and never thought there there are a couple level sucks but it's okay <laughs> I like that level uh, it's kind of cheap too vertical too I, vertical you're not wrong uh, I found out I thought that was from a separate story that I heard about which is a wild story but now I know it's unrelated they called their engineering studio the ivory tower where they recorded everything so then they named the level after that that's cool and I was like oh that's funny right. because I have fond memories of, of the ivory tower uh, so I thought that was funny uh, a little tidbit here to show you the effect because the soundtrack the way the soundtrack grew with the orchestra going from totally keyboard to a mix and then finally totally orchestral uh, the lines of dialogue in Halo 1 8,000 lines of dialogue in Halo 2 21,000 okay. and in Halo 3 40,000 that checks so, out it yeah, does that checks out and so the sound like so that was you know dialogue is sound also and so Mario Donald as the sound you know, lead sound designer or the audio audio lead. Uh, he was in charge of that stuff too. So you could see as he went, like the dialogue grew, the soundtrack grew, and and it told such an amazing story. 
Uh, but it's just interesting to see how that grew over a period of time. It also kind of makes sense thematically because in Halo 1, like, it's very much what we kind of said earlier on how, like, you don't know if there's anyone else left alive. It's really just you and your AI friend that's in your head yeah, because you just totally don't have schizophrenia. alien thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's only there, – you said there's, like, 40,000 lines of dialogue in Halo 3, but there's only one that matters, and that's tank beats everything. <laughs> uh, that's the only okay. one that matters. I, so. uh, I remember Not, you said that I in Halo 2. I know what the women like. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's Halo 2. Is that Halo 2? It's Halo 2. It's at the beginning of the bridge level. The tank beats everything? Uh-huh. No, I no, no, that's remember Halo, 3. Halo no. 3. I think, actually, I know what the women like is in Halo 2. When yeah. Johnson gives, um, comes up and gives you the uh, Warhog, and uh-huh. Cortana's like, thank you, he never gets me anything referring to the chief. And Johnson says, well, I know what the women like. That's a very <laughs> Sergeant Johnson thing to say. No, uh, this was the one where, I forget where you're at. Oh, I, I It's do. Savo Highway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, Savo. like, you're yep. just like, hey... We got a tank coming in for you. And I'm like, all right, fuck yeah. Cool. And, and he's going to fuck shit up. And he's just like riding on it. He's just like screaming his he's head like, off. He's Marine, like, yeah! Marine, Marine beats ghost. Marine beats whatever. Or you're t- like, tank, 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 tank beats, beats ghost. And tank he just beats screams, tank beats everything. everything. Oh, I love the sound design. That came. Did you know in Halo 2, mm-hmm. uh, David Cage, comedian David Cage, he voiced one of the Marines. So did... David uh, Cage or... Not David. David Cross. David Cross, thank yeah. you. Yeah, David Cage. Yeah, what is it? A, yeah. Yeah, anyway. David Cross did one. Uh, the woman, the actress who was in Avatar, who was also Anna Lucia and Lost, if that means anything to you. She was in Resident Evil, the movie. Uh, I can't remember her name, but I can IMDb her. Uh, she was also a, a Marine. There were mm-hmm. a couple other people, like famous people, who were Marines in there. I remember doing a legendary run of Halo 2, which is hard as fuck. The Wait, Marine, you oh, can say fuck on this podcast. It's okay. Oh, no, sorry. The, the, the Marine cameo, wasn't that the uh, the one dude trying to get through the door? Uh, no, the red red versus blue guys? Yeah. Oh, that was red versus blue. That was blue in Halo guys. 2. They did that. I love that they put, put that in because that fucking took off. Yes. Yeah. Dude, I mean, Halo is so iconic. It built... Like Rooster Teeth was built on Red versus Blue. Totally. Rooster Teeth is it's now a big one of fucking the, thing now. Yeah, Rooster Teeth is one of the biggest video game organizations that there is, and they, they don't they, just do video they've games. gone beyond that. Like yeah. they do like production of like video content that's really fucking good. They have game studios now that build games. Like that's fucking cool. So what they started on what we're referring to is Red versus Blue, which you can I think still find on Netflix. You can definitely find it on YouTube. Yeah, uh, on their site too. Yeah, it was Machinima, which is you know for those of you who don't know, you take. Uh, the basically you take characters from a video game and dub them the way that you would like dub an anime but you can control the way the characters move and stuff because you you know you can hack the models and stuff so they basically make a TV show out of these Halo characters it's pretty good it's really good I'm really glad I stuck with it because I was like this is pretty entertaining yeah I remember watching uh, a lot of Red vs. Blue with one of my good friends just like we would just like hang out and just watch it on our PSP Mm. So that was pretty cool. Good thing it wasn't on the PS Vita because nobody would have watched it. Well, burn. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotcha. Let's see how it is. <laughs> uh, Halo was uh, with Zelda and Mario for being one of the first, um, being one of the first video games where basically the whole the whole soundtrack was picked up for the like symphony live symphony and play tours. So when video yeah, game video games live yeah. did like a big run with like the Halo theme, and I remember one of the like first ones. Yeah, and I remember like reading about that whenever I was in like middle school and high school band I'm like fuck I want to go to that mm-hmm. and then like uh, whenever I was oh when was it it was like maybe I was definitely in high school but we got to play like the main theme to the first Halo for like a concert band concert and we were just like holy shit 
this is so cool. What the fuck? Like, it was just a really neat thing. And I would have loved to go see those shows. I think they're still touring. I should try to go do that. But. Uh, so let's see. Uh, I let, Let's try to wrap this up because, boy, I... I yeah, we're like an hour ten right now, so... Actually, that's not as bad as I thought. Oh, uh, great. I... I absolutely love Halo. So let's see. Uh, I started it off by saying I really like looking at the story behind this stuff because Marty O'Donnell is honestly just a guy like the rest of us. He just worked at it, got lucky, knew somebody, you know, and anybody else can do that stuff too. Like any of us could be the next Marty O'Donnell, but it doesn't have by accident. Sure. You know, you don't, you don't really stumble into that. Like you can be lucky, but you got to have talent. Right. You've got, well, and not necessarily like talent's obviously not all you need to have. Like you need to practice your craft. You need to work at it. Like you have to actually put a lot of effort towards it. I have a lot of friends who are musicians and like I come from a relatively musical background and like that stuff ain't easy like no creating anything is fucking hard and just it it takes a whole lot out of you to like put yourself out there as much as somebody like him has done and especially when he started this like video games wasn't a medium that was taken that serious sure sure and and like he was really breaking ground by doing the work he was doing because Nobody, nobody else had done it the way he did. He didn't have a template to follow. So, and, and he had said that that's what he wanted. He wanted to really try something new. He wanted a new frontier, basically. Uh, so, you know, that's what he did. So, uh, he did a an interview with Music for Games number four, which I, as far as I could tell, the site exists, but I don't. I think they're still active. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this old interview, I pulled it up. It was really good. You should actually look it up. It's short. Uh, but he was asked, what's your best advice, you know, to close out the interview is what's your best advice for up and comers? And he said, practice, practice, practice. Oh, and play lots of game with your fr- games with your friends and offer to make music and sound effects for every mod. You know, all right. Funny to think about yeah. that because now like any mod for anything is like officially licensed. Usually. Well, I mean, like straight up, like people who make mods, that is game development. Yeah. Like it's the exact same thing. Like and you are a game developer, even if you're just putting out mods. Yeah. And even if like the mods don't like they get C and D, you'll still move on to something better. Like the thing I can think of is like uh, the Project M dev team, right. like formed Wave Dash, even though Wave Dash actually shut down like a couple months ago. Um, <laughs> wow, wow. Really? Like, or... Uh, the one guy didn't like a big Sonic fan end up being one of the main developers for yeah. Sonic Mania. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They they brought him on because he did like this big cool fan project. Yeah, and they were just like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. Clearly more than Sonic Team does. But <laughs> I had a I went to high school with a guy who hacked all of our high school printers to say <laughs> something profane and. He got in so much trouble, but not only did he get in so much trouble, like, from the school, but hacking into the computer system for a school is a federal crime. Oh. So, not only the police, but I kid you not, the FBI showed up. Nice. At his right. house. Yeah, so that was pretty crazy. Um, so, they confiscated a bunch of stuff, left a bunch of stickers. It was pretty wild. Well, fast forward a couple of years, immediately hired by Apple. He's making more money than I'm ever going to make. You know? So, I mean, that's the case in point. Like, he just did the thing because he was like, you know what? I like this thing. I'm going to practice at it. And of course, please, this is absolutely not me recommending. Don't go commit crimes. Please do not commit crimes. Please please do not. But, uh, you know, a lot of software, like a lot of people who work in cybersecurity are people who can break cybersecurity. Totally. You know, so like if you're good at something, just do do the damn thing. Just do it. And a path will appear before you. If you work at it and you find a way to practice, if you find a way to, to make it happen, you know, It'll happen. And honestly, like, and I've kind of taken this approach just with like doing stuff that we're doing with the podcasting. Uh, 
really, at the end of the day, the only person I am trying to impress is myself. And that's how you grow. How are you doing? I'm all right. Okay. okay. I'm getting there. Once we get new equipment, that'll be a lot better. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, like, at the end of the day, like, you are always just... The only competition that actually really matters is yourself. Mm-hmm. That's how you grow. Like, you just want to, like, be better than you were yesterday or the last time you did something. Because it's just always a process. And even if you grow just a little bit, that's still growth, you know? I tell you what, to, to close this out, I love this this idea of this guy I have in my head who's just like this amazing composer. So I told you he writes everything at the last minute, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, the majority of the stuff I've written that people like, pretty much I'm sitting in a keyboard. But it's funny to me that the two most memorable and successful individuality, individual melodies I ever wrote, I wrote in a car. He just wrote in the front seat of his vehicle. That's great. <laughs> you know? Big fan. The, the, the Halo theme was, was made while he's sitting on the side of the road, you know, parked in his car. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how that works sometimes. So you know? I like that. Yeah. So just keep at it because you never know where you're going to end up. That's right. And the creative process takes all forms and all inspirations. And sometimes you just got to go for a drive, clear your head, and then you'll figure it out. It does. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're, I'm going to do an episode at some point in the future that's going to talk about uh, Marty O'Donnell's journey after this because there's, there's a wild ride. There's a lot. There, it's, it's a lot. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we'll get into that uh, another time. So thanks for sticking around, and we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. Wake me when you need me.